You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. A new Android spyware tool is deployed against China's Uyghur minority. Anonymous claims it disrupted the Atlanta Police Department's website yesterday to protest a police shooting. An apparently legitimate security firm has apparently been selling malware to criminals. Breach Stortion joined Sextortion as a criminal tactic. Craig Williams from Cisco Talis on Astaroth, an information stealer that's been targeting Brazil. Our own Rick Howard on risk assessments and why spelling always counts. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, June 15, 2020. Trend Micro is tracking a new campaign by Earth Empusa, also known as Poison Carp, a group believed to be linked to the Chinese government, against Uyghurs in Tibet. The campaign uses a new strain of Android spyware, Action Spy, modularized and typically distributed in watering hole attacks, Action Spy has also been used against a travel agency in Taiwan and political and media organizations in Turkey. The Muslim Uyghur minority in China has long been a target of domestic surveillance. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reports that Atlanta police websites were briefly down yesterday. Tweets purporting to be from Anonymous claimed responsibility for the outage, which they called a response to Friday's fatal shooting of a man during an altercation. Quote, Anonymous has taken action against Atlanta PD for the execution of hashtag Rayshard Brooks. We call for the arrest of the two murderers. No more impunity. End quote. Rayshard Brooks was shot and killed by police during an attempted arrest. It's the latest hacking incident to accompany recent unrest in the U.S. As with other recent episodes connected with Anonymous, it's first, difficult to attribute, and second, basically, nuisance-level vandalism. ZDNet reports that the Italian security firm CloudEye has been selling criminals malware. The report is sourced to security firm Checkpoint, whose investigations of the malware dropper GU Loader eventually led it to CloudEye's anti-reverse engineering binary protection service. They connected CloudEye to a malware crypting service, DarkEye, and the associated GU Loader, which, as ZDNet says, had been heavily advertised on hacking exchanges since 2014. The same website, securitycode.eu, 
is involved with both Dark Eye and Cloud Eye. In fact, it makes the connection explicit with this splash page. Dark Eye evolved into Cloud Eye, says the page, explaining that it's the next generation of Windows executables protection. Checkpoint's analysis found that Cloud Eye and GU loader code were the same, barring some irrelevant applied code randomization. So, the researcher's conclusion, quote, CloudEye operations may look legal, but the service provided by CloudEye has been a common denominator in thousands of attacks over the past year, end quote. ZDNet says that CloudEye has denounced Checkpoint's report and denied any involvement in crime, but there have been more calls for Italian authorities to investigate CloudEye and its founders in connection with aiding and abetting a criminal operation and money laundering. CloudEye has apparently, ZDNet says, shut down in the wake of the report. Who were the customers? According to Checkpoint, they were threat actors with no deep technical knowledge, interested in using commodity malware they picked up in the criminal-to-criminal market. Organizations are receiving extortion notes that claim, falsely, to have installed info-stealing ransomware, and that if they're not paid, they'll destroy the victim's sites and release sensitive data online. There's no ransomware. The threats are similar to the sextortion notes that claim, falsely, to have access to discreditable browser histories and webcam videos. Naked Security calls it breach-stortion, equally indiscriminate and equally full of empty threats. It might be marginally harder to recognize than sextortion, but an organization would know, one would generally think, if it had suffered a ransomware infestation because they'd notice that they could no longer access their data. But actually, the hoods aren't claiming to have encrypted the victim's data. They just say they've stolen it. How? According to their message, like this. Quote, We have hacked your website and extracted your databases. How did this happen? Our team has found a vulnerability within your site that we were able to exploit. After finding the vulnerability, we were able to get your database credentials and extract your entire database and move the information to an offshore server. End quote. So, maybe they have the data, and maybe they don't. But absent the kind of evidence serious crooks normally provide, usually a small sample of the stolen material posted to establish that they've really got something, it's probably smarter to dismiss the threat as empty. Bleeping Computer says the notes themselves are unusually well-written without the eccentric usage one normally sees, So they're missing one of the customary tells that so often betray the bogus impostures used in social engineering. We've looked at some of the samples published, and while the spelling, grammar, and usage are standard, the style is atrocious, hackneyed, breathless, and too much like something you'd read in cheap crime fiction. Fooey to them all. And finally, there's another case in which bad spelling doesn't betray criminal intent. According to Krebs on Security, Privnotes.com has been impersonating the legitimate Privnote.com free messaging service. The bogus site is phishing for Bitcoin by substituting the criminal's Bitcoin address for any such address it detects in communications. Bleeping Computer notes that the campaign combines cyber-squatting and phishing. Specifically, it's typo-squatting. The criminal's URL is just one character off from the legitimate site, and it's just taken a singular to an innocent-looking plural. So remember, kids, spelling always counts.
And I'm pleased to be joined once again by our own CyberWire chief analyst, Rick Howard. Uh, Rick, always great to have you back. Uh, we're going to have another uh, preview of your CSO Perspectives podcast. And this week, you're talking about risk. Yeah, and how do we calculate risk? And this has been a stumbling block for most of my peers since I've been doing this some 25 years. Uh, and I got to tell you, Dave, it is really about our fear of probability and statistics. Do you remember taking that class back in college? Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what I remember most about it is is how counterintuitive so much of it is. Yeah, that's the way it was for me, too. I, I barely got through that class by the skin of my teeth, and I definitely didn't understand it. And as I've been in the industry, you know, we have tried to calculate risk based on well, what we tried to learn, okay, in that probability and stats course. And let me tell you, there's a reason that uh, most of us are IT guys and not math guys, right? Because hmm. math is hard. Um, <laughs> and, and we try to do risk assessments by calculating probabilities based on what we learned in that class. And it's essentially, you have to be able to count things, right? Count the things that have happened and then divide it by the number of times it could have happened. And that sounds really simple, but in cybersecurity, the variables are vast and we don't even know where to start. And what really is true is our perception of what probability is, is completely wrong. Hmm. And we need to expand what we think it could be. Uh, there is a great scientist uh, out in California. His name is Dr. Ron Howard, and he invented decision analysis theory back in the 60s. And he has a whole different perception of what probability is. It's a really a measurement, or it could be a measurement, of what we know about a certain situation. And when you think of probability in that way, okay, it kind of expands how we think about it. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. Right? What we really want to do is figure out what the probability is of a material impact by a cyber event in our organization in, say, the next three years. Right? And, and what I usually do when I make those calculations is I whip out my qualitative uh, risk heat map chart and give it three categories, high, medium, or low, which is not very precise. Hmm. But with a probability assigned, it, you might say there's a 4% chance that our organization will be materially impacted in the next three years. And that might be a, a swag, but it is definitely more precise about what you know about your security infrastructure. How much of this is is kind of that old thing from uh, from the Jurassic Park movie? You know, the 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 butterfly flapping its wings, and and we get <laughs> rain instead of snow. Like, can things spin out of control really quickly when you're doing these sorts of uh, calculations? Well, I, I think the thing to remember here is that everything we do in a risk calculation is a model, and all models are wrong, but some are useful. Okay, so <laughs> some are less wrong than others. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk about how to do really simple models to get a kind of a baseline of what your risk is, and then later on in the series, you know, uh, we'll talk about how to get more complex. But we'll try to ease your way into it and get over your fear of what probability and stats are. All right. Well, do check it out. It's uh, Rick Howard's CSO Perspectives podcast. It is over on CyberWire Pro. Check it out at thecyberwire.com. Rick, always great to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. 
Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Craig Williams. He's the head of Talos Outreach at Cisco. Uh, Craig, always great to have you back. Uh, you and your team have some interesting uh, research you wanted to share here. Uh, this is uh, about uh, an information stealer you all have been tracking? Yeah, so this one's called Astaroth. And basically, it's you know uh, an information stealing Trojan that has a somewhat unique profile because it's targeting people in Brazil. Hmm. And the reason this one really popped up on our radar is because it's one of the vast array of malware using COVID-19 lures right now. Well, take us through some of the details here. What brought it to your attention? Well, there's a lot of obfuscation and anti-analysis involved. It was actually pretty challenging to reverse. You know, we had to rely on Talos's reverse engineering team. You know, those folks are top-notch. And, you know, when we have samples that evasive, we typically expect that they're doing something bad. Which let's let's take for a moment and just think about this because I think this is worth noting as well. Hmm. You know, um, a lot of bad guys will make their malware super evasive, thinking that makes it like undetectable in their mind. But let's look at the reality of the situation. There really isn't much benign software, if any, that is hacked and obfuscated to that extent, right? So the sheer hmm. fact that they've tried to obfuscate the program flow, which is super obvious is enough for us to say, yeah, it's, it's up to something bad. You know, you mm -hmm. generally don't want that running on your system. We don't really even have to know what it does. Um, so I, I always think that's funny, right? People go to these great links to obfuscate the program flow when, you know, you can simply check to see if that's happened. And if it has, is it one of like, you know, a handful of known good things that do that and attempt to like protect their IP or something silly? And chances are it's not, and it's a bad guy, and they've done something super obvious and attempts to be sneaky. It's it's like trying to rob a bank with a strobe light on. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, is there a flip side to that? Have you guys run into situations where people try to hide in plain sight? Absolutely, right? I mean, that's that's incredibly common as well, right? That goes back to, you know, these fake invoice scams or, you know, lots of email-based scams where they pretend to be a friend. You know, and even in this one, you know, there were lots of fake COVID-19 lures attempting to be real information. There was lots of invoice scam type of stuff going on. Uh, and if you flip through the blog post, you'll see examples of some of those. But, you know, at the end of the day, what the attacker is trying to do is use an initial vector that should look legitimate, right? And the user's tricked to clicking on that through curiosity or whatever. And that's really the COVID-19 angle here, right? Uh, hmm. It's important people realize from a cybersecurity perspective, the COVID-19 pandemic has really put one single target on the entire human race, right? Every single person on earth is susceptible to COVID-19 information. They want to know more. They're scared. They don't understand what's happening. And so if you make an empty promise like that, people will click on it. And the bad guys are aware of this. They've realized it. And so we've seen a massive shift across basically all malware families and even APT actors towards COVID lures because the effectiveness rate is just through the roof. Hmm. In the time we have, is there anything technically that stands out to you? Anything they've been doing under the hood here that's noteworthy? Well, um, you know, the C2 mechanism is pretty unique. They basically are using YouTube as a way to have a, a covert channel for C2 that's probably going to be one that isn't inspected. You know, if you look at the way that most businesses try to reduce uh, inspection through their security devices uh, or through their firewall or whatever, they try to identify sites that they can effectively whitelist. And so if you can use something like Pastebin or YouTube or any website that allows the user to use data, I think, uh, what, last year one was even using Reddit, uh, hmm. that's a way to potentially bypass that inspection for nefarious purposes. So yeah, at the end of the day, this is a not that rare of a piece of malware, but the fact that it's using COVID-19 lures, you know, incredibly evasive techniques are all quite suspicious. And so it's definitely one we took note of. All right. Well, uh, the blog post is titled Astaroth, Maze of Obfuscation and Evasion, Reveals Dark Stealer. That is on the Talos blog uh, from Cisco. Craig Williams, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too.
The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. <laughs>